Do you like beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. We are about a week away from Father's Day. Last week, we kind of gave you the old heads up and uh, right back to it. Last week, brewing beer for weddings and other large events. Uh, Today, we're going to get to a little bit on fermentation, which can get fast and furious. And with temperatures going up in the summer, uh, fermentation gets a little bit different this time of year. But uh, Jeremy White, Bert Deister, unpredictable, yes. Uh, chosen one. Good morning. Good morning. And I, I have a, I have a, uh, yeah, thank you. On the wedding, yes, last week got married. Um, yeah, exciting. It's fun. So anyway, Father's Day is coming up. We, we briefly one touched, week away yeah, now. So we touched days. on this last week. Uh, great gift ideas for Father's Day at Niagara Tradition that you can pick up. Um, anytime you're going to give away a gift, a gift is great, but a gift that can also be like an experience. You and your, your dad can share it together. Um, you know, or if you are whatever, if if you're a woman who wants to buy your husband a Father's Day present, mm-hmm. this is a good thing to do. Give him a hobby, give him something to do, and uh, give the gift of home brewing. Yeah, I think we often give gifts, and we give somebody something that they we think they may need. And I think with the home brewing, you're definitely giving them what they want. You know what I mean? Yep. You could get him like a shaving kit or something like that. So, you know, he might shave the beard. Maybe not. Probably only when he sees you because you got him the shaving kit. You get him like a new like tool kit or something like that saying, here, dad, fix up your house a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or you could say, dad, you wanna, you're not relaxing enough. I think you need a limitless supply of beer. Here's a homebrew startup kit get to work and then better yet grew with them like i said that can be a lot of fun be a little stressful yeah once you, bo- once you both know what you're talking about it starts to get more stressful when you start to argue about like you know recipes or mm-hmm. yeast or hey i don't think you're aerating that enough you know it can get a little bit tough but um still bonding in the process hop rhizomes are on sale sale two for one um, we still have them. They're still in great condition, and we tell people all the time are asking us when is too late to plant, and it's, we're not even close to there yet. Um, you're still better off planting it, even if you get a short season the year before, than you are to start starting fresh the next year. Um, it's two-for-one rhizomes right now. I guarantee if you plant them now, you're probably not going to get a harvest, but you probably will next year. Um, come on in, two-for-one. We still have most varieties available. We have started to run out of one or two here and there. Um, but it's not too late. People are asking us all the time, is it too late to plant hot rhizomes? Absolutely not. When is too late? Ooh, it starts to get tough. Um, the ones in front of our store, and I always bring up this story, were planted in early to mid-July because we lost the rhizomes that were out there. Um, we had a long weekend. I think it was 4th of July weekend. Uh, they got really dried out. Um, there was just nobody there for five days hot weather, and it killed our rhizomes in the planter. So we ended up pulling out the rhizomes and replanting with the last couple rhizomes that were available in mid-July, the last ones we had in the uh, refrigerator. And it was Brewer's Gold, which is not known to be a super hardy rhizome. Um, We put it in there. We really tended for it. It grew about 12 feet Hmm. um, its first summer, even though it had only about four months to grow. Um, And then it flowered um the next year and it's looking absolutely great this year so 
Um, planting late is definitely better than not planting at all. Uh, this is a perennial rhizome. It doesn't need to reseed. It doesn't need to get through a certain growing cycle. Once you put it in the ground, it's just going to start building a rhizome and building up glucose to get it through the winter and get it through next spring. We talked yesterday, or I'm sorry, not yesterday, last week about summer draft supplies. And we've done it in the past talking picnic taps. You guys still have picnic taps? Yes, we do. And there are a lot of different options that if I want to do a barbecue, last week was about portable, uh, it was about kegging systems for large parties for weddings. How about mm-hmm. for smaller barbecues, like the supplies you guys have that yeah. are available for that? No, I mean, we have um, pump taps, uh, like the pony pumps are available for as low as uh, $29.99. Um, and then we have all the way up to full kegerator conversion systems, like we were talking about if you wanted to put a draft system into your tiki bar or something like that. You just need the kegging system, the keg, and a 7 8 hole saw, um, and you have yourself a really cool tiki bar. But we have all that stuff from in stock, but we also have all the repair parts in stock. If you need um, new hose, if you need um, the probe washer for a Guinness tap, if you need the uh, you know outer seal washer for a domestic tap, if you just need um, new beer nuts, if you need... Uh, <laughs> You know, new post washers, keg lube. We have everything in stock for not only starting up, um, but for repairs. And there's a lot of places out there, especially seeing this time of year, where you'll see a lot of very cheap draft systems, quote unquote, um, at some of the big box stores. You know, they they wheel out a pallet of them into the you know front walkway. They're usually for about like 600, 700 bucks, all in one. Here's the refrigerator. Really what you're getting is probably a $100 kegging system. Nothing is going to match up standard. We'll still probably have repair parts for it. You're probably going to have some problems with foaming right off the bat. For whatever reason, they skimp out on the draft lines, and they usually put thin-walled quarter-inch draft lines. And anybody who's been listening to this show or anybody who's been home brewing knows that you want five feet of 3 thick-walled beverage tubing. Um... And then the refrigerator usually doesn't have a warranty and doesn't last <laughs> that long. Right. You're better off building it yourself. You're better off getting the refrigerator, buying it on its own with a warranty, or better yet, if you know you're only going to go five-gallon kegs, going a keyser. We have the replacement thermostats as well, um, and you'll save a lot on the electric bill over a front-loading refrigerator. But if you did make that mistake, or if somebody made that mistake for you and bought it uh, as a gift, we can get it working well for you. We can come on in. We'll tell you what parts you're going to need to replace and then what parts when they break down that you might just want to replace instead of rebuilding. Um, but it's still, if somebody gave you one of those, it's a great start to get into kegging. Um, and we can keep repairing the keg parts as long as the refrigerator lasts for you. And then the beautiful thing about the kegging stuff is if the refrigerator does eventually die, you can move over the parts to a new one. And... When it comes to those keg raters of any type you're going to make, like you can build one because it's a very simple, everything about it's really simple to deal with. Yeah. With the keyser, it's, this, you know, making a wood box, a six inch kind of wood box with no top or bottom. You put that in with a collar. Again, you drill a couple of holes. The simplest side with, with the refrigerator is, again, you drill a couple of holes in the door. You put the kegs and the CO2 inside, the taps install with a really simple um, kind of bulkhead fitting. You put the hose onto the back of the faucet, and you're done. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, what you're doing. 
Um, again, this is a great hobby if you love research because you can spend all night on YouTube and on forums looking about reading about draft system and then spend about 10 minutes, 8 minutes actually installing it all. And then a whole lifetime of draft beer in the basement. Very good. We've got to get to fast and furious fermentation. I think it's probably wise to just uh, take a break and tackle the whole thing all at once when we return. Niag Traditions Just Brew It here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White with Bert Deister as uh, we get you ready for Father's Day a week away, basically. Uh, you know, Niag Tradition open today, closed tomorrow, and the same will be true next week on Father's Day. It'll be on Sunday, but, you know, that's why we say a week away from today. So be ready. And up next, fast and furious fermentation what can go haywire, what to know about it during this time of year as temperatures rise. Up next here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Homebrewing Supply, 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. Back here on Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520, as the temperature starts to rise, fermentation becomes different. Yeah. Variables Variable. are interesting. Yeah, as the temperature becomes more variable in the house, when we were in winter, you know what I mean, you would see a very finite range because you had the thermostat going. Right now we're a time of year where you're opening up the windows, the AC's not running yet, the heat's not on, um, house temperatures are all over the place. Uh, and so this is usually where people who maybe have started fermenting around the holidays um, or kind of during the winter – um, you were getting really nice, even, consistent fermentation, um, and now stuff's a little haywire. And usually the first sign of bad fermentation control, not always a sign of bad fermentation control, is that when you come down and your bucket is completely covered in foam, um, it's spraying through the airlock, and you're wondering, what did I do wrong? Um, one, I always tell people, just because your fermentation is vigorous, is not a guarantee, you know what I mean, that um, your uh, fermentation is wrong. And this is like saying, I have a fever going on to WebMD and saying, oh, crap, I must have cancer. Yeah. Um, it's not, you know what I mean, just because your fermentation is exploding doesn't mean that anything is wrong with the beer, but it could be a sign that something's wrong with the beer. And so the first thing we want to check is the temperature because often what happens is with one of these you know, hot fermentations is yeast metabolism is controlled by ambient temperature. And so when you bring the temperature up, their metabolism starts running faster. And you see that in more CO2 production. As you get more CO2 production, you get more foam, and then you get more beer on the walls. Mm -hmm. um, first bit of advice is if you have a basement, um, especially an unfinished section, uh, put fermentation there. It's going to stay closer to ground temperature. Now, it might not be the temperature you want for this particular beer, and I hate to say it, the answer is going to be brew a different beer um, until you start running the AC, until the kind of house temperatures balance out a little bit more. But get it as close as you can to the ground. 
that's going to keep it the close to ground temperature, which is going to be fairly steady or really steady um, and kind of slowly rising as the season goes on. My second bit of advice is always use a blow-off tube. I put a blow-off tube on every primary fermentation, no matter how small the batch, no matter how um, low gravity, yep. uh, no matter what temperature, whether it's an ale or a lager, whether I'm doing it in my fermentation chamber or just on the basement floor, I always use a blow-off tube. Me too. Um, and as soon as you have your first blow-off, you will forever change. Yep, you got because... it, especially if it goes through an airlock. Yep, yep. Mine blew the top off of one of those ale pails, blew it off. The whole on, lid, right? The whole lid. I've seen that happen several times. The, uh, the, I can't even believe it. The, the, the whole lid came off. And like, the, what, what could have been going on in there? The pressure that was in there. I don't know what made the fermentation so furious. It was in an air-conditioned, controlled apartment. Mm-hmm. And yet, pop, the top pops off. And that's the last time I've used that pail. Now it's either the Fermonster with a, with a blow-off tube or a glass carboy with a, with a blow-off tube because... You know, it's, and you can use a blow-off tube with a bucket as well. Yeah, but I would also say that the blow-off tube, the thing I like about it, in addition to being um, safer and protecting your beer, and the, you're not going to well, not really it. protecting the beer. Well, protecting well, your walls. That's what I mean. What I mean, <laughs> right. Um, in this case, now your marriage. Right, right. But what it also does is, you know, the number one call you get, I don't see any excess CO2 in my yeah. bubbler. Well, you've got a blow-off tube, it's there. Yeah, like you, and when, when you're fermenting in a carboy or the fermenter yeah. too, you can see it. And so that's the next thing that happens. You can even write down to, if you squeeze the tube a little bit, you'll hear a bloop, and there you know. All right, good. I've got total pressure. There's nothing, you know, things are happening in there. And for me, the fermenter, you can watch it happen or to know that that CO2 is coming out like pretty early on. I think that's... Yeah, we haven't a, plugged for monsters in a while, too. Yeah. They make this whole process a lot easier. The problems with the buckets are sometimes you see fermentation action for the first day or two, and then um, it kind of dissipates, and you're wondering if it stopped. It's really stir-fermenting. You just don't have a seal on the bucket enough to see the fermentation coming out of the top. Um, the for monster, you get a really good seal, plus you can look right inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the lid screws on, too, so less likely to go blowing across the room. Yeah. <laughs> screwed on. Or if it does, it's going to be much more violent, I guess. But Maybe. It w- I guess it would blow out the little the little rubber little stopper. stopper first. Yeah, you're But, okay, so first, what we do to kind of prevent this, um, make sure your pitching temperature is low. I always stress this to people. I would rather see you pitch the yeast the next morning and risk an infection months down the road, then pitch the yeast while the beer is still too hot, have an explosive fermentation, and have a phenolic beer that you don't enjoy from day one. Um, I think that's what I had. Yeah. That kind of like, I mean, you can get a, a range of flavors, you know, see like, you know, you know banana-y to yeah. kind of tart fruit. Because some after an explosion are still salvageable, and mine, I tasted mm-hmm. it, and I was like, this is terrible. Yeah. I had a grow disky that exploded. Um... It was only a 3.8% beer. I did a three-gallon batch in a six-and-a-half-gallon glass carbuoy. It still popped the top. Wow. It was the right temperature. It was, you know, aerated really well. It was a good starter, and it just blew the top. Um, I got a, you know, cleaned up the, the fermentation chamber best I could. Another, you know, great reason to have a fermentation chamber. Instead of seeing everything dripping from the ceiling, you just see the foam kind of slightly dripping out the edge of the ferment, you know, out of the edge of the chamber, which in my case is a refrigerator. Um, and you know that when you open that door, 
you might have a little bit of a wave and a mess to clean up, but you can at least when you get home from work, go have dinner, let the dog out, you know, have a chance to kind of get yourself together before dealing with that mess. It's not all over the walls and right in your face. And you do want to deal with it that night. You don't want have a situation where it blows out all the airlock water and you don't have a complete seal. Um, but at the same time, yeah, you want to clean that up night right, one. Right. But having it in a chamber, having a blow-off tube, even if it blows through, is going to control that mess for you, make life a lot mm-hmm. easier. But watch your temperature. Um, you know, make sure you aerate well. And make sure you have plenty of headspace in your fermentations. So no, you know, five-gallon batches and a five-gallon carbuy. Um, you want at least 20%, uh, if not more, headspace inside your fermenter. There's okay. a couple of things you can do to prevent it. That's prevention. If you are already having this happen, that doesn't do you much good. And so what you're going to need to do is you need to clean it up, get a um, kind of cooler, put it inside the cooler with a blow-off tube, and put some cool water around the fermentation to kind of try to cool it down slowly. Um, you don't want to shock the temperature. Yeah, go I, ahead, go I, ahead. I tried this. I had, I had a, a batch brewing in the Fermonster where my target temperature was about 74, and it got up to like 78. Mm-hmm. So I was, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and bring this down by putting it in a bucket of ice, and it just – I guess I, I expected a reaction faster than I got it. It takes a while yeah. to bring well, that temperature down. And the other down. thing, too, is when you put it in ISO, like my old sander was take the um, take the fermenter and I would put it on a um, uh, kind of like a, uh, I think it would be a hotel tray, like one of those aluminum hotel trays, put a little bit of water there and then put ice on the side. Um, and what I found that did was actually created a hell of a thermocline in my fermentation, so cold bottom, warm top and kind of killed the convection um by putting it i feel like i have a better quicker drop um and less violent of a drop and less likely to stall my fermentation by putting it in just a whole bath of cold water i mean really getting it trying to get it all the way up the sides to where it's at the same level as the beer inside the fermenter um if you need to continue dropping the temperature down you can either add ice to that or I like to take water bottles in and out of the freezer. So I'll have a couple water bottles in the freezer. If it starts to get too warm again, I'll put some water bottles in there as opposed to changing out the water every time you walk by. So mm-hmm. a little bit less wasted water, but that's called a swamp cooler for anybody who's trying to look up a picture of what we're talking about. And while you have to stay fairly attentive, this is a good option for anybody who's looking to control their fermentation but doesn't have the room for a, you know, old fridge or a homemade box to kind of create a fermentation chamber. Um, It's a great option. Um, I used it for a long time. It's definitely not the most convenient. Um, You have to check on it, you know, about every 12 hours at least. So when you get up in the morning, you know, when you get home from work, you're always checking on the fermentation, kind of playing, you know, some guesswork with these water bottles. Um, But that should help control the fermentation. That's about it. There okay. are anti-foam products out there. It's one thing I, I haven't covered before, and I don't really use that much, um, partially out of a fear that I'll kill the head retention in my beer once I serve it. But let me tell you a little bit how they work. So um, most anti-foaming products are one of two things. They're either a oil, which I really don't like using, so they make a slick across the top, prevent bubbles from forming, 
Or the other thing that you can see are, and you see these often in, you know, we sell two different products. Um, one is a kind of like an eyedropper. The other one is a, um, uh, like a powder, you measure and pour in. Um, and what they are is small aggregate. Um, and due to their shape, they tend to break bubbles and also prevent bubble nucleation. Now, while the idea is, while the fermentation is violent, these small particles, which would normally just think to the bottom one, there's convection, get pulled up to the top. And as they get pulled up to the top, they break bubbles coming up to the top, they break bubbles at the top and get kind of cycled through the beer. Um, and I have used them once or twice in kind of emergency scenarios where I haven't been able to control a blow-off. And I didn't notice any, you know, major differences with head retention. I didn't have any head, you know, at the end. I, I felt like I could have had a little bit, you know, more lacing, a little bit more retention. But the idea is when fermentation stops or if you add a clarifier like gelatin, you should be able to pull all these um, kind of bubble nucleation breakers here for you down to the bottom uh, and keep them out of your pint glass. But that's it. All right. Those are kind of your options for a exploding fermentation. <laughs> and if you really just lose all control, put it into the shower, close the door, turn on the cold water, okay. let it cool off, tell it to take a cold shower, and kind of hose it down. Now, with regard to cleaning up major messes, I know you had something else, like another story to tell. Oh, yes, because Aaron, uh, I think over last weekend, I was talking to him about this, uh, had a tap spill. Kind of him, uh, me, and a couple other brewers got into a quick conversation about this agony for any brewer. Um, I can describe my personal situation. I know with his, um, and I think it's the same for my father's kegerator, if you close the door too fast, or I know with my father's, if you open up the refrigerator and he has one of those long tap handles on there, or you open up the freezer above the fridge, um, you open up the taps. For me, I have a, uh, or had for the longest time in my kitchen, a kind of uh, belly height um, beverage refrigerator, and I had my taps on the front. So the notorious thing is you'd be, you know, chopping stuff for dinner on top of the kegerator. You'd go to walk away, and in my case, it would tug. you feel a little tug at your shirt as you turn to the stove. It sounded like your dog was kind of taking a leak in the corner of the kitchen, and you turn around to see your wonderful beer overflowing or overshooting the drip tray and pouring out onto the floor. And apparently that happened to him this weekend. Um, not too fun um, and something that you want to try to prevent as a brewer. So check up on your taps, even if you haven't looked at them in a while. We do sell self-closing faucets as well as faucet locks. Um, if your kegerator is not in a position where you worry about comedics, cosmetics, you might want to put a bungee cord or some type of lock to, sure to make sure it stays. Yeah. Because this is, it's not so much the mess, it's the heartbreak. Heartbreak of watching your hours of hard work kind of run across the basement floor. I'm lucky enough now it's the basement floor since I have a basement. Aaron has a whole beer room on the first floor, um, so he had that mess to deal with. Um, but this is a common problem um, when folks have draft systems, and you put them in a place where they're kind of in the commotion, mm -hmm. um, is that if you don't have one of those nice self-closing faucets, or a faucet lock, you can lose a whole keg of beer to the floor. When you say self-closing faucets, how does that work? They're spring-loaded inside the plunger. So only allowed like a certain period They'll of only time? only come out so far, right? And then when you let go of them, they spring close shut. Okay. So the situation like with my shirt, 
You know what I mean? Uh, or he closed the door. They're going to shut themselves off. You only lose a little bit of beer. Um, this is also great if you have house guests that use your kegerator all the time and are not too familiar with seems yeah, using and they don't know kegerator. you have to push the other way. You got it. Right. And so, um, yeah. And if you have people, if you have children, if you have pets, the faucet locks are a really nice option. These things do not lock up your kegerator like Fort Knox. They are just a simple, like, kind of tamper lock. So they're easy to get off. And, and if you did lose the key, there's some ways to get them off. Um, you know, with a little bit of work. Um, so if you got home, you couldn't find your key to your draft system, give us a call. Uh, head to YouTube. There's some ways around it. But they're a nice addition if you have kids, pets, if your kegerator is in the way uh, and you want to prevent this from happening. Or if you have an outdoor, you know, kegerator mm-hmm. and you come home to, you know, not a big mess, but you're out of beer, you're out of CO2. That's the other thing. If you have a draft system, you're also usually, if you don't catch this, you're also out of CO2 as well. And if it's in the backyard, you don't know whether to blame neighborhood kids, the squirrels, you know. Now, you had said it's not the most aesthetically good-looking thing to do. That, like, if you don't if care. If you just do a bungee cord or, oh, okay. like, a rubber band. But the actual like spring-loaded tab, they don't look any different. They're not, like, these giant cumbersome. No, no, no. There's two options. One is um, a, like, powder-coated finish. Um and the other one is a chrome finished, and they both go on pretty well. They're both fairly streamlined. Um, you know, they're American-made and mm-hmm. mass-produced, so they, they look like something you purchased. They don't look like something that was made in a garage. But again, if it's not someplace where you're worried about the cosmetics, I would suggest at least making something homemade to kind of prevent your taps from kind of pouring all over the place right especially if it's in an area where there's a lot of commotion again garage if it's in a basement especially with mine in the kitchen i did eventually invest in a self-closing faucet because that happened one too many times all right maybe dad could use those for father's day there you go Oh yeah give him a faucet lock keep how, you away from his beer yeah how uh so you guys sell the towers are there towers that are spring-loaded and towers that aren't, or is well, it the it kind of thing you comes can? Comes with the faucet, and with some of the faucets, you can buy the plunger separate from the body. So it's actually the same body. You just change out the yeah, center plunger. That's what I was asking. Are they interchangeable? So yeah. yes. Yeah. No. So they are interchangeable. All right. Very good. Well, that's it for us today here on Niagara Traditions. Just brew it. A reminder for Father's Day, though, it is a week away, and you guys are open on days. Saturday. We're open on Saturday, but not Sunday. Right. You can always get gift certificates online. You can choose whether you want to have a card stock mailed to you or directly to him, or whether you just want to get him an email confirmation code. You have both of those options on the website, or you can get that as well as you come in store, and you can give him some stocking stuffers while you're in. Yeah, and as always, nthomebrew.com. stockings for Father's uh, Day. Hey, why not? Kind of, you know, we should. Start a new tradition. Try putting one up there. See if anybody yeah. you know, come back. There's a couple of bottles of beer and, you know, something yeah. in there. nthomebrew.com to uh, check out all they've got. To also sign up for the newsletter, which you guys are always, you know, send, yeah, sending out. You're always going to get information first out of the newsletters. I, we put together kind of our news and announcements on the show or I do on the website. I always go back to the newsletter to kind of look. So I always get the newsletter assembled first. That goes out there. And then we start kind of bombarding you on other forms of media. So All right. Newsletter first. Next show will be basically Father's Day. So yeah. so it'll be right on top of you. Yeah. We'll talk to you then. So if you want a beer fountain in your basement or garage or shower, you better go brew yourself.
You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.